You're listening to the Happy Doc Student Podcast, a podcast dedicated to providing clarity to the often mysterious doctoral process. Do you feel like you're losing your mind? Let me and my guests show you how to put more joy in your journey and graduate with your sanity, health, and relationships intact. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Frederick. In this episode, I welcome Dr. Abby Hamilton. Dr. Abby is a two-time TEDx speaker, Filipino-American industrial organizational psychologist, and author of Amazon bestseller, Speak Up Anik. Dr. Abby is passionate about helping people find their voice so they can be more and do more in life. Dr. Abby, welcome to the show. Thank you. You did such a great job doing that introduction. I was so inspired. <laughs> okay, true confessions. I do practice before I oh. hit the record button. <laughs> for all yeah. you listeners out there, getting ready for your oral defense, practice makes perfect. But thank you. Thank yes. you. So, Dr. Abby, I thought we would start today's show by you sharing just a little bit of your background and how it is that you came to discover your voice and then help others do the same. Yes. So thank you so much, first of all, Heather, for having me on this podcast. I think there's so many, there's so many things to just get out to the world so we can all find our voice and change. Uh, so I'm a second generation Filipino American and I was raised by very traditional Filipino, uh, parents here who were first gens. And of course they raised me with the culture that they knew you know, respect, obey. And I grew up in this society where the squeaky wheel gets the oil, the one where there's competition. You have to speak up. And even at the the, the kindergarten age, you're told to bring in a toy and you're the one who has to show and tell. Whereas in my household, it was, you know, be quiet. Anak. Anak is the word that means child. So it's just like, be quiet, Anak. Like the children are seen and not heard. Let the parents talk, you know, at the dinner table and then go do your homework. So I grew up in that. And then as I got into the work world and, you know, even in college, I started to see the differences between me and other people and how there were some people who really hardcore and they could speak up with no problem. And I was, mm, no, no, we don't do that. And so then. I got into my doctorate and, you know, they say, I, I, I didn't have, know it all at the beginning. Sometimes people think that we have a magic wand and we automatically know what our dissertation is going to be on and it will be our life's work and we will, you know, speak to the bosses about it. No, I just knew that I had a, a big paper to do at the end. And I knew that I was different because I was like, my Filipino experience is different. So it could have like a really unique slant to it compared to what other people might be able to speak on. And then I chose the bamboo ceiling. I don't know if you know what the bamboo ceiling is. Have you ever heard of that, Heather? I was introduced to the bamboo ceiling through your TEDx talk. So I was oh, okay. to take a moment and educate the listeners. Yeah. So we know the glass ceiling is where you can't get into the higher levels of your company because you're a minority or um, a woman and you, you just, 
can't get through, you can't break through. Well, the bamboo ceiling is a glass ceiling for Asian Americans. So this was the neatest thing. And I, there was this book called Breaking the Bamboo Ceiling by Jane Hyun. And she worked at, at Deloitte and she saw all these Asians who were not getting promoted. And she wrote this book that just said how we could break through. And uh, I decided to do my dissertation on how much we adhere to our Filipino values and how assertive we are. And I found that it was inversely related. You know, it was telling us that, hey, listen, we might also be passed over because we don't have the characteristics that a leader would have, not just because someone's discriminating against us. Anyway, so I did that study and then it was so big for me because if you can hear right now, like, I have this mild voice, you know, and how on earth am I going to be assertive? So people started to ask me, how do we be assertive without being ugly? Because we would rather just be quiet than be ugly. And so I've been now speaking about it, researching about it, and having a grand old time on YouTube, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and and on the TEDx stages and in my book. So yeah, that's a lot. (laughs) But I came from little tiny Abigail to where I am today and speaking to the masses so that we can all find our voice. Your story is so inspiring. And something that really stuck out to me when I was digging into your work was this idea of how do we reframe what assertiveness means to us? Because I know for myself growing up, not in necessarily a culture where you're quiet but definitely a household and an academic system where you're quote unquote good, right? You don't rock the boat. You kind of go with the flow. And when I hear the word assertive, I I somatically have a reaction of negative, uncomfortable emotions. (laughs) Uh uh And you talk about, hey, it doesn't have to be that way. No, exactly. I'm so glad you brought that up. It's true. The name of my TEDx talk was The Beauty of Assertiveness. It is beautiful when it's done right. And so there are three different kinds of communication, passive, assertive, and aggressive. Passive is where you're like, like, I don't really want to say anything, but I want to. And you just kind of let everybody get away with whatever they're going to say or do, and you don't say anything. Aggressive is where you're like, I don't know what your problem is. You are like, get out of my way or quit doing that. You know, it's just, that's just the way I feel like talking at this moment. And then assertive by definition, um, by certain definitions is a way that you could be firm, yet still respectful, calm, professional, dignified, and noble. So take the noble road, you know, take the noble route. When you know that what you're asserting is true, is smart, is innovative, and is going to get you to your goal, then you should you should push it all the way through. I mean, it's like if someone needed CPR, would you say, well, I don't really want to push everybody out of the way so that I could do this. It is, it is needed. It is a smart thing to do to save that person's life. You push those people. You get to that person who needs their lives saved. And one of the things that uh, a lot of the doctoral students will feel as you creep up from someone who took a few classes, 
to got halfway through your program, then you're at candidate stage and you're you're starting to do this doctorate, you still don't feel you're quite everything yet. You you need to own it at a certain point. And when you know that you have done more research than anybody, like especially your advisors, right, on your dissertation, they have not ever done as much research as you have on this, this particular combination of topics, right? Because isn't your dissertation supposed to be on something that no one else has ever studied before? In this case, it's about uh, you do all this research and then you'll say, no, Dr. So-and-so, I have found in all the literature in these 75 articles that this is this. Yeah, he can, he can fact check you. You know, and, and you're not just trying to one up him. You're not trying to one up him. You're trying to, to offer valuable information. So know that, own it and be the smart one, especially because you're going to be the, the one with the initials afterwards and people are going to go to you. I mean, I know that I don't have 100 years of experience in let's say emotional intelligence or implicit bias or assertiveness, but I've done lots of research and I'm here to present to you the information that exists. So own it and, uh, and yeah, own those letters. Dr. Abby, you said so many great things there. (laughs) Two kind of themes really popped out for me. And I was so excited to have you on the show exactly for this reason. Number one, as you're working through your program, It's smart to be assertive. You are going to have questions. There's going to be things that you need clarification for. It breaks my heart time after time after time, people not speaking up for themselves, like you suggest, in a very calm, professional, respectful way, losing time in their program, sometimes even um, being enrolled in incorrect courses or being assigned to advisors that aren't going to serve them. And they know something's going on. But again, when do I speak up? Here I am just a doctoral student kind of at the, the mercy of these other players in this game who really can control have they have great control, your faculty and your administrators over how this game ends for you. And so I, I see a lot of apprehension But what I love about the beauty of assertiveness as you talk about it is being able to remain in that state of calm, clarity, and speaking up for yourself. So that's the first thing for all the listeners out there. It is actually smart to be assertive. Remember, we're not not saying aggressive here. We're saying assertive. But then you bring up, you get to this part in your program where you're done with your courses you're working on your dissertation or your doctoral project, and absolutely the expectation now is you are becoming the expert. And it's this shift that is so hard for people to take for so many reasons, but your encouragement of know your worth, know your value, the hundreds and thousands of hours you have put in to knowing this and trust your voice when you're speaking to your faculty, because that's what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. You just triggered something in me when you said that it's hard for people to see that you are this pillar of wisdom, um, especially if they saw you when you weren't. You know what I mean? They saw you when you were just a prospective student or, or even your family, 
your circle, your community. So like in, in the Filipino community, I was just a little Abigail, you know, and they would just see me as this person who would volunteer here and there. And every time I did a video, not every time, but a lot of times when I made videos on Filipino values and assertiveness, I would hear their voices in my head. Like, what is she talking about? She doesn't even know anything, you know? And they, did they say that? Probably not. Maybe a couple, you know? Over time, though, in the past two years, it has been just mind-blowing how they respect me now. They buy my book. They quote me. They're buying my book right now for Christmas presents. They feel different about themselves and their culture when they give me a chance by reading the book. And the ones who haven't read the book, they'll hear the ones who bought the book and hear how they speak. And they're like, what, Abby? And so now they say, oh, Doc Ab, you know, Doc Abby. And they honor that. Um, and I love it. I love it. You know, it, it was it's hard. You have to push through and own it, like you said. You know, what did they say? Jesus was just a carpenter in his hometown, right? And so I have to just uh, remember there's somebody out there who still needs to hear me. Um, and then the other thing that you made me think about is the faculty. We love our faculty, but, but they are human too. And if they are just the biggest fans of the big five or servant leadership, and you're not... I felt myself um, being influenced, not influenced, but encouraged to use a different measure than I wanted to. Like someone said, why don't you use Filipinoness? And, oh gosh, it's a fancy word that I felt so smart knowing. <laughs> What's it called? Uh, basically, it's where you know how good you are. Do you know what, you know what measure that is? Like a self-efficacy. Uh, exactly. Exactly. I thought I was so smart when I learned that word. Okay. Anyway. And the only reason I know that is because that's what my dissertation was on, but oh, keep going. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? That's not an issue with Filipinos because Filipinos know. We know. We just don't assert it. We know we have the information. We know what we have the ability. We know we're capable. We just don't say it. So I had to stick to assertiveness. And the thing is, I knew part of me felt like I'll just do it because my faculty member knows better than I do. And if I'm going to be getting their advice, I should just suck it up, do the paper, get it over with, knowing that I have his support. But I, I needed to assert myself because what did this become? This became my life's work. It became my message to the world and it became part of my heart. So check your heart, check yourself. Don't just check what your advisor did their dissertation on. <laughs> and that is such an important point, not just for the doctoral students and candidates out there to hear, but also the faculty to cross-check themselves when they're giving feedback. I try to differentiate in my feedback. This is actually an error, right? The way you interpreted this statistical analysis is incorrect. There's there's the factual stuff that needs to be corrected. The verb tense now needs to change. That right. the, then there are suggestions. Hey, 
what about this? What about self-efficacy? What about, and what I have seen students do is they say, oh, committee member this or advisor this wants me to do this. And so now I'm trying to figure out how to make a square peg fit into a round hole. And I say, oh, it's different at this stage in the game. They're sharing with you their academic experience, their experience in the literature. Now, what you need to do is assert yourself and say, but this is what I know, and this is what this project is, and this is why I am or am not taking this suggestion or this recommendation. So you don't just ignore things flat out. You make a case for why you're not doing it, but you also don't just take advice unless you're sure it's the advice that's going to fit your goals. Yeah, and fast forward to your future self, okay? Do you want it to sound like this? Because there are so many people around this world walking around saying, I didn't really want to do my dissertation on this. Oh, you don't want to say that. Be a friend to your future self and make the decision so that that's not going to be you. It is very sad. There are so many people who have that. So, yeah. Be a friend to your future self. I love that. (laughs) I heard that up somewhere. It sounds like Brene Brown, doesn't it? <laughs> right? Does it sound like something she would say? I don't know who said it, but I use it all the time, even just like getting organized on how to get at a pack, you know, or how to uh, plan my day or something like that. Do you have suggestions for the listeners out there that are thinking, I am that person. I am that passive communicator and I want to be a friend of my future self. Are there some kind of go-to suggestions that you have? Yeah. So number one, just be aware of it. Be aware of the fact that, that you don't speak up as much as you should. So number one, if you can identify that, that's good. Number two, you're going to now find moments where you're like, I don't really like how they cooked my steak. It's too well done. (sighs) That's okay. I'll just eat it. But then you go, and and this is so funny because I did all this work and I started talking to audiences and then I found myself in a situation where I needed to speak up and I was like, this is sickening. I talked to people about doing this. I need to say something. And I was like, okay, I'm going in. And here's the thing. You have to understand that it's going to be hard. But it will make your life easier in the future. You won't resent your husband, your parent, your children, because you spoke up. You won't resent your your advisor because you spoke up. You won't say he made me use this measure. You know what I mean? You spoke up. So then make the decision that next time you identify it's happening, take a deep breath and go in. But then how do you go in? Find techniques. So uh, of course, that I, you know, I'm going to plug my book, but I did research and I found from many speakers, seminars, books, websites, I gathered some of the best techniques. There are five really great techniques that you can use and try them. I'll give you one today. I call it the repeat button. You might've heard of it before as the broken record, but there's no records now, except like in the Olympics, right? So um, the repeat button where you will say something like, please, you know, I had an, I had an employer. He used to say, oh, look, a little Filipino is walking into the room. And I was like, (laughs) so I would say, please don't call me that. 
I believe it's inappropriate. Or I think I said, I feel it makes me feel very uncomfortable. And he was like, oh my gosh, what's your problem? I'm totally joking. And you repeat, do not change your tone and maintain the same message. Please don't call me that. It makes me feel uncomfortable. You know, still calm and composed. What? What's what's your problem? My wife is Cuban. I call her a little Cuban all the time. And I wanted to say, that's awful. You don't, you don't even respect her. I wanted to just go off. But I said, please don't call me a little Filipino when I walk in the room. It makes me feel uncomfortable. After a while, it got to the point where he's like, if I say another thing, she's going to say that same annoying comment. And so fine, fine, he'll stop. And that's all I really wanted him to do. Abby, I'm going to make sure I have all the information about your book in the show notes, but I love the repeat button personally because you just come up with that one statement. You don't have to wonder. Your mind's not spinning based on what they're going to say. What am I going to say next? You can stay present in the moment. You have your one sentence. It's, it's It sounds so simple, but it's so effective. Yeah, stay strong. You might have to say it eight, nine, ten times. I always talk about <laughs> the, uh, we call them toxic titas. Tita means like auntie in Filipino, and um, toxic titas will always come up to you and they'll be like, "Oh, you gained weight. You're so healthy." And they, uh, they used to squeeze my arm. Oh, you're so healthy, and I'd be like, "Thank you, Tita." And then I would go cry. But if I had just said, "Please don't call me." That, you know, please don't say that. It makes me feel uncomfortable. She will go all over the place. Oh my goodness. You are so sensitive. You always overreact. I'm just joking. And you just stay strong. And at the end, you feel so, you feel so powerful because you didn't have to lose control. So yeah, that's just one of the four methods. And I'm telling you, even though the book says assertiveness strategies for Filipino Americans, I have Italians, Blacks, Caucasians, I mean, Hispanics, they're all like, whoa, this book is fire. It has all of the different ways that you could just understand what's going on in your life and then how to finally assert yourself. And we were talking about the show that although we don't share the same cultural background, I was explaining that what I do see a lot in the educational system, whether it's temperament of doctoral students in general, maybe the disciplines that I'm associated with, like psychology and education, or just being a product of a system where you're so used to someone else telling you what the right answer is, and again, kind of bowing to their expertise. I I don't think it's commonplace to just start a doctoral program and be very assertive. And so I think everything that you've shared today and everything that you have in your book would be so helpful to a doctoral student. So thank you for getting this important work out there. You're welcome. And before we end, I have a question for you. And that is, do you have a favorite quote that you live by or final words of wisdom you'd want to share? Okay. So there are lots of really, really good ones. Um, But the one that I usually say at the end of every single one of my seminars, it's it's not mine. It's Anthony Robbins. Um, But he says, if you always do what you always did, you'll always get what you always got. And then I always end with, so what are you going to do today uh, that's different so that your life can be leveled up? <laughs> something like that. Yeah, you got to change something so that you can improve in life and just grow 
bigger, better, and and shine more than you did before. And so for all the listeners out there, inevitably, the universe is going to create a situation today where you can exercise your voice, and we'd love to hear all about it. So again, Dr. Abby, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening, and I look forward to connecting with you on the next episode. Until then, if you're looking for more ways to invite joy into your journey, check out the free resources at expandyourhappy.com. You'll find downloads like an article I wrote titled, The Doctoral Journey, 12 Things You Need to Know That They Probably Won't Tell You. Based on audience request, there is a PDF that organizes all podcasts by the seven steps detailed in the Happy Doc Student Handbook, which you can also find on the website. And if you're looking for Happy Doc Student swag, I've got that too. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and YouTube channel. And if you want to make my day, rate and review so that together we can change the way graduate education is delivered and experienced. Hey, one more thing, just a quick reminder that the information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only. 